The reading tonight is taken from Luke chapter 8 verses 1 to 15. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Thank you, Ruth, very much. We're going to um, uh, stay with that passage, so if you've got your Bibles at home, then do please uh, keep them open. And it's Luke chapter 8 and verses 1 to 15. Now, I was sitting in the, the front seat of a tandem glider about to be launched, not behind an aeroplane, but uh, using a winch launch. And uh, the winch was at the far end of the, air, of the airfield, and then there was a hugely long, long rope attached to the front of uh, our glider. And no one had told me what to expect. So what happens is the guy at the far end of the air, airfield on the, on the winch, he, they take up the slack, and then effectively they just floor the throttle. And then <clears throat> you in the glider, you just go up really, really steeply. Uh, it feels like you're going up in a rocket. And uh, uh, 30 seconds later, your stomach's caught up with you. And when you've got used to it, it's great fun. But not having been told what was going to happen the first time was absolutely terrifying. Now, uh, um, 
if only they'd told me what to expect in the first place. And that's a good principle for life, isn't it? It's a really good principle for life. If only someone can just tell me what to expect when I'm coming up to my driving theory test, or maybe the test itself. If only someone can tell me what to expect when I'm going into this interview in the morning. If only someone can tell me what to expect with my GCSEs and whatever's going on in the summer and so on. Um, If only someone could tell me what to expect at the crematorium. That would just be a real help. Well, this evening we're thinking about Christian ministry. And the Bible tells us that if you're a Christian, then you are a Christian minister. If you're a Christian, you are a Christian minister. Um, So Christian ministry isn't just for those who go off to get ordained or uh, go off to uh, somewhere else in the world or something like that. No, it's it's for all Christians. The question is, though, what should we expect What should we expect? What do we have to do? Well, the really good news is that Jesus has told us not only what we have to do, but also what we should expect when we're doing it. He tells us what Christianity, what Christian ministry is, and what what we should expect then when we're involved in Christian ministry. And we have this, uh, what is called in our Bibles here, the parable of the sower, or perhaps better, the parable of the seed. Some people say, oh no, it's really a parable of the soils. Let's get away from that. It is the parable of the sower and the parable of the seeds. The focus is on those who are doing the sowing and what we should expect. And uh, you could actually say this parable is the parable of the word. So if you have a look at verse 11, so the first half Jesus tells a story, the second half he's explaining it. And he begins the explanation in verse 11. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God's. So Jesus tells this parable about a farmer sowing seeds. And it was, it was a very common thing in his day. Uh, they would have all seen you know, a farmer sowing seed. Just in the same way today, you know, you've bound to have been caught up behind a tractor at some point, haven't you, going down a country lane. Well, in Jesus' day, the common sight was a, was a, a farmer sowing his seed. And Jesus tells this parable to the twelve to the disciples. So you look at verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him. And then there were some others as well there with them who were caring for them, looking after their needs and so on. And then just after that, we see that a large crowd is beginning to gather. So you look at verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. And he's telling this parable to his disciples. So he's not telling it to the big crowd. He's telling it so the disciples would understand about Christian ministry, about what it's involved, and about what to expect. So let's picture the scene. There are all these people coming. They're coming from town after town. There are huge crowds of people coming to see Jesus, to listen to him, perhaps to see what he was going to do next and so on. But Jesus decides, I'm going to focus down and I'm going to focus on these 12 people. And I'm going to tell them about Christian ministry. And I'm going to tell them what they've got to do and what they should expect as they are involved in that. So therefore... If you're a Christian and you read this parable, you should be saying to yourself now, this evening or whenever you're watching this, but you should be saying to yourself, if you're a Christian, this concerns me. This concerns me. 
If I'm a Christian, this concerns me. This is about me. It's telling me what I have to do as a disciple of Jesus. And it's telling me what to expect as I do that. The first thing that we're going to expect in Christian ministry is this. Inevitable misunderstanding. Inevitable misunderstanding. This is a parable of caution. If this parable were a road sign, it would have a red triangle around it. It's a parable of caution mixed with confidence. Now, Jesus is saying to the disciples, that to us if we're Christians, um, not to expect too much from your hearers. You are a sower of the seed. That's what you are. If you're, if you're a Christian, you are a farmer. You are a sower of the seed. But don't expect too much from your hearers. Don't expect too much from sermons. Don't expect too much from having a cup of coffee with someone in a coffee shop and telling them about Jesus from the Bible. Don't expect too much. There's also here, there's a caution to us as hearers of the word. I mean, I preach most Sundays here at BH, but also I'm listening to someone else preaching every Sunday. And as I do that, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm wanting to learn. I'm wanting to grow. I'm a member of our small group. Sometimes I lead it, someone else, sometimes, sometimes someone else leads it. Or whether I'm leading it or someone else is, I want to learn from the other members of the group as, they, uh, talk about the, as we talk about the word of God together. And this, is, uh, this parable is telling, me, telling us that we need to be careful how we listen as well. But the main thing is uh, be careful uh, and know what to expect. Know what to expect, for instance, when you preach a sermon. Know what to expect when you're leading KO, our youth group here. Know what to expect when you're working with explorers. Know what to expect when you're leading a small group. Know what to expect if you're doing a one-to-one with someone else and reading the Bible with them. Uh, Know what to expect if you're teaching our children uh, Sunday by Sunday in due course when we can get back to doing that. And what he's saying is, there will be inevitable misunderstanding. Inevitable misunderstanding. I love the story of uh, Linda Burnett, who went to the supermarket one day, and, uh, uh, and then um, several people noticed her sitting in her car with the windows up and with her hands behind her head. And she was just absolutely stationary, uh, eyes closed, hands by her head. And one of the other customers coming out, put the shopping in the car, noticed she was sitting there and, and wondered if she was all right. So uh, he came over to the car and, uh, uh, and, and he knocked on the window. And, and Linda was looking dead straight ahead, hands behind her head, and he, and he shouted out, Are you all right, man? And, uh, uh, and she said, no, someone shot me. I'm holding my brains in. And so he thought, well, this is bit serious and uh, so he, he got paramedics and the ambulance came and so on and the paramedics uh, uh, broke into the car because she'd locked the doors and it turned out that she, you know she thought she'd been shot but it turned out what had actually happened what had actually happened was that uh, uh, there was, it was a hot day and there was a tin of bread dough in the sun in the back of the car and you can imagine it could get really hot and uh, and the tin had exploded and a bit of bread dough had shot away its way across the car and hit her in the back of the head and she thought she'd been shot 
and that the bread dough was actually her brains coming out. She was, she was sitting there with her hands behind her head, holding her brains in, thinking that if she moved her hands, then her brains would just splodge out all over the seat and cause an awful mess and she would probably die. Um, it's easy to be uh, fall into and, and have a misunderstanding, isn't it? True story, true story. But misunderstanding is inevitable. And when it comes to Christian ministry, which every Christian's involved with because we are sowers, we're farmers, we are the people who sow the seed of the word of God, then there are three particular misunderstandings that we can see. So under this first main heading, inevitable misunderstanding, the first part is our part. We can misunderstand what our part is. Um, what should we be doing? I mean, there is, lots of, there is lots of misunderstanding. Some people think, you know, that uh, it's all about the sacraments, so baptism and communion, and that uh, Christian ministry really is about presiding at communion, for instance. Other people would say it's all about the worship of God, and Christian ministry is just about the worshiping of God and helping people to do that. Worship is really important. I hope you've been able to worship God at home this evening. It is a hugely significant part of our lives, our existence as Christian people. And uh, uh, there are other people who say, no, 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 Christian ministry is about being there for people. It's about being a presence in the community. Jesus says it's about being a farmer. It's about being a sower. It's about sowing the seed of the word of God, not just in sermons, but in all sorts of ways. Because a seed, as we've seen with these sweet corn seeds here, uh, has potential for life. I brought a seed along as well. You probably can't see it. It's a sunflower seed. Not very big, is it? It's a sunflower seed. But is that, uh, seeds have the potential for life, don't they? And this little thing I've got here, whoops, I've now dropped it, has, uh, has got the potential to turn into something you can see on the screens there, of uh, tall and beautiful as the uh, sun comes up. Someone uh, came up Holmes Avenue last year, early on in the spring, and uh, gave us lots of little, um, they gave a little, uh, a little pot with a sunflower in each pot. And the idea was that we would have it in our front gardens and grow up, and uh, I, I hope they do it again this year. But it was good. It was a great thing to do, whoever it was. And uh, we enjoyed that very much. Um, but, uh, uh, but there is inevitable misunderstanding. And our role as farmers, as sowers of the seed, uh, our role is to be doing that with the word of God. And the trouble is we're, we're tempted and distracted and, and uh, to almost do, do anything other than what we should be doing. And what we should be doing as Christians is spreading, sowing the seed of the word of God into people's lives. So question, are you sowing seeds? Are you sowing seeds? That's our part. That's what we need to be doing into the lives of, of folks who don't yet know Jesus, into the lives too of those who do know Jesus. We are sowers of the seed. So there's an inevitable misunderstanding. The first part is uh, our part. You can un misunderstand what our role is. But also, there's a misunderstanding of what God's part is. I mean, look at verses 9 to 10 here, for instance. Um, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. We sow seed and God brings the growth. Now, uh, uh, in between Jesus' story and the explanation, he explains to his disciples why he uh, uses parables, stories. 
Now, there may be all sorts of reasons uh, for parables. They are memorable, they're repeatable, and so on. But the reason Jesus gives is this. Parables are like sieves. Parables are like sieves. That's why Jesus was telling a parable. Um, uh, It's a means to help some see. It's a means to help some understand. It's also a means to sieve out those who will never understand. And he quotes Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 9. You look at verse 10 here, and that's quoting, though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Now it's hard to understand. It's hard to grab that, isn't it? But uh, uh, it is a means that God uses in his choosing those who will be his and how they will hear and understand the words. Some people misunderstand and they think that ministry is all about us. Some people misunderstand and they think that ministry is just all about God, so we don't have any role to play at all. But Christian ministry is about us being the farmers, the sowers, and God bringing the growth. And therefore, because of that, we will be involved, A, in sowing the seed, the word of God, into people's lives, but also praying that God would be acting and that God would be bringing the growth in people's lives. So we have to pray diligently. Pray for our preaching and our sermons. Praying for our friends and those doing Christianity Explored and Alpha and so on. Praying for one-to-one conversations with people you maybe not even met yet, but you might just have a conversation with them this week on the phone or wherever it would be. Praying that God would open people's hearts to the truth of the gospel. Praying that we would just keep on sowing the seeds and that God would bring the growth. So there's inevitable misunderstanding about our part, about God's part, and then the third area of misunderstanding is God's timing. In Jesus' time, they'd sow the seed in kind of the autumn, as we would think of it, like October, November, December time, and then they'd wait six, seven, perhaps even eight months. I mean, Lizzie said she's waiting for the sweet corn, we'll come back in six months' time, whatever. Well, it's, it was the same in Jesus' days. So they'd have a harvest in June, and they'd wait and be patient but keep on going trusting the Lord would bring the fruits, the crop well we're farmers and we're going to be sowing seeds and I trust we'll be sowing seeds someone from BH will be sowing seeds in fact a lot of us from BH will be sowing seeds every day into people's hearts and lives and, uh, and that we will be praying that every day that God will be doing his initially secret work of germination and of growing this seed into a full-grown plant and of eternal life being born through the seed of the eternal word of God. And we need to be patient and we need to persevere and keep on going and not be too impatient that God will do his work in people's lives and not give up too soon. We keep on going month after month, maybe year after year, keeping on praying, keeping on talking, keeping on going, keeping on sowing seeds, maybe year after year after year after year. And then we begin to see some fruit in someone's life we've been praying for maybe for years. And we rejoice in the faithfulness of our great God. Well, Christian ministry... 
there will be inevitable misunderstanding of our part, of God's part, and of God's timing. There will also, and I don't want this to sound uh, um, uh, unbelievably sort of negative, but there will also be, as we see here, inevitable discouragement and failure. Don't worry, there is also good news. But we need to be realistic about this. Three out of the four of the types of soil don't produce Christians. But we do need to remember that failure should be our teacher, not our undertaker. So uh, you look at the path, verse 5, and the explanation in verse 12. So let's read verse 12 there. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. The work of the devil. And he's at work really hard in the minds and the hearts of those who hear the gospel, of those who hear the words. And he'll be working on people, trying to distract us and think about other things and uh, trying to make us uncomfortable. How's your room at the moment? Is it too hot, too cold, too uncomfortable? And he will be trying to make you think, oh, it's far too hot. Oh, it's much too cold. Oh, I've got to go and get a coat on or something. Or I'm really uncomfortable. Oh, I can't stand this any longer. Or I'm really bored. Or I'm very tired or whatever it is. Or I'm really worried about what's going on tomorrow. And some of you will be on your phones right now, won't you? Uh, Hopefully, some of you will have your Bible on your phone, but you might be looking at Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is. Um, I'd much rather uh, you weren't. Um, but it can be distracting, can't it? It can be distractions. There can be all sorts of distractions uh, as we uh, uh, listen and watch sermons uh, online. And we do all of us, don't we? We just need to make a determined effort to stick with it and to concentrate and to try and minimize our distractions so that we can focus on what we're seeking to do. And, uh, uh, and it seems to me as well, we could do well to pray against the work of the devil, who will seek to distract us and destroy the work uh, and the results of the sowing of the word of God into people's lives. Um, so, uh, and can I say as well, it seems to be particularly easy to be distracted when we're just watching online on the telly or on our laptop at home or later on this week or whenever it would be. That's why we're pretty sure we'll be back on the 7th of March and uh, uh, we'll just be able to confirm that after Boris tomorrow. But, uh, um, but do come. This is much better to be here in the building than it is at home, frankly. Do come. Do book in. Do be here. I, I've always felt when we, in this past year, when we've been able to meet in the building, if there's a spare seat here, that's a real shame. I want people to be here in the building. I know it's not ideal. I know it's not ideal. But we long to see each other. And you can't see each other people on YouTube, can you really? In, the, uh, in any sense of that, seeing people. So do come when we're back. And uh, uh, for others here, getting back to the passage, um, uh, what is going on is that it's temporary. So you look at verse 6 and its explanation in verse uh, 13. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. Uh, when they hear it, they've got no root. No root. That's the rocky ground. Jesus' day and uh, uh, it's a little limestone. The water goes through it. The soil's very thin and there's no root and it just dies quickly. The word fall away is the, the root of the English word apostasy. We're just giving up. And people will fall away. We need to expect that, painful though it is. And we need to work that people will grow roots and get down deep into the word of God. That's why we keep on sowing. 
and not just be brought into Christian things on a tide of emotion. There's a, uh, a theologian guy called uh, Helmut Thieleke who, uh, who said this, there, or he wrote this, there is nothing more cheering than transformed Christian people and there is nothing more disintegrating than people who have been merely brushed by Christianity. People who have been sown by a thousand seeds but in whose lives there's no depth and no rootage. Therefore, they fall when the first whirlwind comes along. It is the half-Christians always flop in the face of the first catastrophe that happens because their dry intellectuality and their superficial emotionalism do not stand the test. So even that which they think they have is taken away from them. This is the wood from which their anti-Christians too are cut. They're almost always former half-Christians a person who lets Jesus only halfway into his heart and is uh, uh, far poorer than a 100% worldling. It's an old-fashioned phrase, isn't it? But it's the half-Christians. such a struggle. And then there are those who get choked. So you look at verse 7 and then the explanation in verse 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go uh, on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Choked. Things which in themselves are not you know, innocent, not necessarily bad, but when we follow them to excess, become a poison for the soul. And so people don't mature. And if you're a Christian, a disciple, then you want to grow to Christian maturity, put strong and and put down deep roots and so on, don't you? And you yourself, you want to grow to maturity and you want to help other people grow to maturity as well. As we learn and as we serve and as we grow to know Jesus and to love him more and more. So are you learning and are you serving? Or are you slowly, almost imperceptibly, being choked I mean compare your Christian life this year with last year for instance would you say you're being choked in your Christian life and there are others you are attempting to minister to being choked spiritually by the hove disease of life's worries and riches and pleasures. We need to encourage folks, don't we, and challenge them to learn and to serve and maybe to pull back from some of these things which can so easily entangle and in the end choke us. But the reason Jesus told the parable is that we can expect these things to happen. That's life. That's the battle we're in. That's why we need to pray. That's what we need to work for so that people don't get choked in this way. There will be inevitable discouragements and failures. But we will be steadfast. And we're going to keep on going. And it seems to me Brighton Hove is actually quite a hard place spiritually. It's quite a slow place spiritually and it can feel in some ways quite a discouraging place spiritually. But you can see the parable of the sower here, can't you? You can see every bit of it here in this city. 
You can see every bit of it. And what do we do? We carry on sowing. We're farmers. We carry on sowing and we carry on praying. Christian ministry, a ministry of the word, a ministry of sowing, a ministry of prayer. And what do we say? What do we expect? Inevitable misunderstanding, inevitable discouragement and failure, just like Jesus said. But he also said you can expect inevitable fruit. And the yield is high. Uh, In those days, apparently, you might expect a 35 uh, times sown yield would have been good. Here, verse 8 says it's a hundred fold. And that's fantastic. And how is this fruit recognized? Well, in the garden, it's easy, isn't it? If you get sweet corn, it's easy to recognize sweet corn, isn't it? Look forward to to that. Or apples, or raspberries, or whatever it is. But spiritually, how do you recognize spiritual fruits? Well, at the end of the parable, in verse 15, it's very interesting. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. comes from a heart, a good heart, where God is doing a genuine work by his spirit in people's lives. So, uh, so they hear the words in your one-to-one with them, or on Christianity Explored, or uh, in a small group, or in Explorers, or in Cameo. They hear the word and the penny drops, and their eyes are opened, and they retain it, and it takes root. And they're growing as Christians, and they're learning, and they're living it out as Christians, and they're persevering in a hostile world or in an apathetic world, but they keep on going with Jesus. Come to church every week. They're reading their Bibles and they're praying every day. They're looking how they can serve. They're asking you, what can I do to help? And they're serving the Lord gladly and faithfully, week by week, uh, maybe in KO, maybe in Rooted, maybe in a small group, maybe in a welcome team, maybe doing coffee in the day so we can have coffee back again. And they're sowing the seed of the word of God into other people's lives whenever they can. So there is fruit. There is fruit. And we rejoice in that. So what do we expect? Christian ministry is a ministry of a farmer. It's a sowing ministry. And the seed is the word of God's. It is the word of God that we work with, that we sow into people's lives. That means you need your Bible with you, on your phone or with you. We need to know it. We need to be able to use it, refer to it and so on. But what do we expect? Some inevitable misunderstanding about our role, God's role and God's timing. We are to expect some inevitable discouragement and failure. That's okay though. Because God is God. He is the sovereign Lord. And he is drawing people to himself as we sow the word. And so we gloriously will also expect inevitable fruit. So let's pray. Father, we're very grateful that our Lord Jesus has told us what to expect. 
But we know sometimes it might seem like pretty hard work, frankly, uh, working and uh, helping people as we sow the word of God into people's lives. Lord, we are sowers. And we pray, Lord, that you would just help us simply be realistic, to persevere. Thank you that these words of realism actually do help us to keep on going. Because we know there will be misunderstanding and discouragement and failure and so on. But praise be to you. We know there will be inevitable fruit. And we pray, Lord, you help us to keep going. To do what we know we must. And to be good sowers of the word, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.